Okay, we're on. Now, people do not change throughout time. We were kind of talking about that in class. Kind of uh, every 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 age kind of stays the same. People are really are people. Um, and so, I, I when I read the stories of the Bible, I try to picture it kind of like I was there with with all of kind of our cultural things. Like um, like if if we were a, you know listening to Jesus on. Uh, you know, Jesus on the mountainside telling parables or whatever. Uh, I try to picture, you know, just normal people. They were normal people, right? And so, somewhere, uh, there were people, this, this happened. I know this happened because people are the same, right? There was, there, people were listening to parables, and there was a guy sitting next to another guy. Now, if he lived today, we would call him a movie talker. You know what a movie talker is, right? They're the people you love to go to the movies with because they've already watched the movie and then they love to sit there and either tell you what is going to happen or they're going to tell you, oh, you'll like this next part. No, they won't tell you what's going to happen. They're the movie talkers. I can't stand movie talkers, right? They drive you nuts. Um, and, uh, uh, or they'll say, oh, this is, what a great character. It's too bad what happens to him at the end. Like, oh, oh, man. Right? There was a parable talker. Right? There was a guy who had heard Jesus before. And, uh, and this guy, he was sitting there, and he had already heard parables, and he was going to sit there, and he was going to tell, you'll like this next door. Right? And, 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 and the guy just shut up. I just want to hear Jesus. I don't want to hear you comment on Jesus. Just, just shut up and let me listen to Jesus. And, and sometimes when you look at Jesus' stories, they're very similar. right? Uh, they're, they're very, and so, so here was this parable talker. And he was sitting next to this other guy, and, and it might have been, you know, Jesus starts saying, a sower goes out to sow. And he's like, oh, he already knows the, the end of the story because he's already heard this before. And he, he was, and Jesus totally buttonhooks him. He, he, he starts talking to this friend. Oh, he's going to talk about this and that and the other. And then Jesus totally buttonhooks him and goes off on this other direction with a sower goes out to sow. And no, 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 I wasn't going to talk about this one had 30 and this one... No, no, he, he's going to talk about uh, a sower went out to sow and then, and then this, uh, this guy planted tares in it. You know, and, and so Jesus used similar illustrations to, to prove different points because sometimes a metaphor is used differently. Uh, you can use the same basic metaphor, but it has different applications, right? Jesus used a mustard seed and, 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 ta- and used different... Different illustrations about a mustard seed. That is, oh yeah, okay, it's like this, but it's also like this. The reason I say all that is because uh, our sermon today is going to be a little bit familiar. Yeah. When you hear what it is. Um, last week we talked about the sun. So when I tell you that today, we're going to be talking about Jesus as the firstborn. You're like, you already did this one. I know you were here last week. Right? I know that's the wrong one. You opened up my wrong. You opened up last. Did you open up last week's? That's last week's PowerPoint. All right. What's that? It's like I'm going to illustrate last week's. You got that? Did I delete the wrong one off there? I deleted one. I might have accidentally deleted the wrong one. And that's bad news because my computer has no battery on it. All right. If it's not there... Okay, well, hey, I got... Ready recollection, right there. 
We're talking about the firstborn. And when we talk about the firstborn, we're not just talking about the son. We talked about the son and, and what that means to be the son of God. That was up there. What it means to be the son of man. And we, we referenced how all those things have to do with Christ being born here. But to understand what the firstborn means, uh, we would have to understand, uh, uh, go back to the Old Testament. Because this is where the concept of the firstborn uh, comes from. We know the story of, of Jacob and Esau, right? So if we, we turn back to Genesis, I'm going to have to find this now. It was up there, but it's not here. So um, it's in here. I know that. <laughs> so in Genesis chapter 25, Jacob cooked the stew, verse 29, he says, And Esau came into the field, and he was weary. And Esau said to Jacob, Please feed me with some stew. I'm, I'm tired. Therefore his name was called Edom. But Jacob said, Well, sell me your birthright. And Esau said, Look, I'm going to die. What is the point of this birthright if I'm dead? It's not going to do me any good. So Jacob said, Okay, swear to me. So he swore to him, and he sold his birthright. And Jacob gave Esau bread and stew of lentils, and he ate and drank and rose and went his way. And so Esau despised his birthright. Well, here's what happened. As a firstborn, there was this thing you got, and it's unfair. It's unfair. Let's say you have three, three kids, three sons, right? What dad did was he would divide his property into four. And he'd give two to the oldest son. Here's what Jacob did. Jacob already had one. We, 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 we don't really understand what Jacob did to Esau. Why he was really ticked off. Jacob already had one. Now Esau, by right, had two coming to him. And so he said, sell me a birthright. He got me coming too. You understand that Jacob ended up with the whole shebang. What good is it going to be to me if I'm dead? So, so the first thing was, was this property, was this, this inheritance, is the first concept of being the firstborn. And that is not all. And I think sometimes we kind of confuse the stuff that went on between Jacob and Esau because there was a birthright, which is the inheritance, and there's one other thing that happened, um, and that is the concept of the blessing. Right? Genesis ends, and, and um, Jacob is, uh, or yeah, Jacob's given all the blessings, right? To his, or Exodus, excuse me, ends, and, and he's, he's given all the, the blessings to, to his sons and everything. Well, um, the blessing. What is the concept of the blessing? Well, we'd have to... I want to look at Exodus chapter 4, and verse 22. Exodus 4, 22. This explains a little bit. Then you shall say to Pharaoh... You know, all those sons are all long gone. 
Thus says the Lord, Israel, that's Jacob, is my firstborn. Say what? No, he's not. Esau was the firstborn. That's Edom, the Edomites. How can you say Israel is the firstborn? Well, because we would have to go back to that, that day when Isaac was an old man. And he should go out and make... It always revolved around stew. Bad stuff happens around stew, I'm telling you. Hey, he said, go out and make me some stew, and I'll come back and I will give you the blessing. Now, he's already got... Jacob has already taken the blessing. Or, excuse me, he's already taken the birthright. He's already taken the property. He goes, go out and I'll give you the blessing. At death, they just sat down and said, this is, I'm going to bless you, and all that, and, 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 and those would be the rights. So, and um, whatever that was going to happen. And, and so... He goes, tricks his dad. We know the story. He tricks his dad. Well, he became the firstborn, even though he was not the firstborn. Now, how does that happen? It has to do with something that's not... See, firstborn doesn't have to do with chronology. See, when we look at Christ, and we're going to look at Christ as the firstborn because he's called the firstborn, we're not talking about birth. They had nothing. Isaac was not called the firstborn because he was born first. He was called the firstborn because he got the blessing. So I want to look at Colossians uh, chapter 1. If that's not up there, we got it here. So, Colossians chapter 1. In verse 12 beginning, it's giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the power of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of the Son of His love, in whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins. He's the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over creation. For by Him all things were created that are in heaven, that are on earth, visible, invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, and all things were created through Him and for Him. He is before all things, and in him all things consist. He is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead. That in all things he may have preeminence. And it pleased the Father that in him the fullness should dwell, and by him to reconcile all things to himself by himself, whether things on the earth and heaven, having made peace through the blood of his cross. And you, who were once alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, he has now reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and blameless and irreproachable in his light. And we're going to go through some of these, these concepts here and look at, that, at some of the, the things that, that are brought out here that have to do with Christ being the firstborn. So we want to look at Jesus as the firstborn. The first concept we want to look at relates to the blessing. I'm going to take those in reverse order. See... See, the, 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 the point of the blessing was the, the firstborn blessing had to do with him having primacy over his brothers. Right? Um, 
not just by not just by getting more property, but he was considered he would be the clan leader, if you will. Right? That's how they, they did the family. Whoever that that son would be the, the leader of the family, the oldest son. And that was a big thing. It was a status thing. Because that, that then set forth that your family would then be the, the prime family in that. That's an important thing. All my kids and my grandkids. Right? And so Israel becomes the prime uh, family among Isaac's descendants. So, uh, so, so here we have this idea that has nothing to do with Jesus' birth. We've already talked about Jesus' birth. Last week, the concept of the son and the firstborn, though they sound similar, they're different concepts. The firstborn, that blessing, Jesus is preeminent. That's the first concept we want to understand. Jesus is prime among everything. He is the firstborn of creation. This does not mean he is created. Just like being the firstborn didn't mean that Jacob was born first. It had nothing to do with his birth. It had to do with the blessing. Christ gets this blessing. He is above all things that exist. And our text tells us that it specifically has nothing to do with his birth. What is the concept Verse 18, he is the head of the body of the church who is the beginning of the firstborn from the dead. The concept and the status as the blessing, getting that blessing, being the firstborn, has to do with his death and resurrection. Specifically the resurrection. Now wait, wait. Jesus is not the first one to be resurrected. We know that. People were raised from the dead in the Old Testament. Jesus himself raised many people. How? I mean, Jesus, the, the moment Jesus died, the, the Bible says that the graves opened up and people started coming into Jerusalem. What's going on? Jesus is not the firstborn. How could he be the firstborn from the dead? Yet, it has nothing to do with chronology. Just like the firstborn has nothing to do with the chronology. Jesus, resurrection, is different from all other resurrections. Jesus, his resurrection has preeminence for a number of reasons. First of all, he's the, he's the first one who raised and didn't die again. Right? Lazarus isn't with us. He raised Lazarus. Lazarus is not with us. He died, possibly killed again. <laughs> he might have died because he was raised. But Jesus ascended to heaven. He didn't go through death a second time. Everyone, all those other people died again. The widow's son. Hey, you're going to die again. But, not just having to do with that. Jesus' death and resurrection has preeminence because of what it accomplishes. No other death set people free from sin. Jesus' death is the death that conquers 
the idea of death. Think about that. Jesus conquered death by dying. His death and resurrection, that's the only one that did that. And so he has preeminence. The picture is not of chronology, but it is of superiority. He is the firstborn. But he doesn't just have a blessing. He has a birthright. Right? He has an inheritance. I want to turn to Hebrews. We're going to come back to Colossians. Uh, Hebrews chapter 1. And we see a little bit of his, his inheritance, not the entire thing, some of his inheritance. Hebrews chapter 1, it begins in verse 2. He says, uh, let's say, back up, let's just start from the uh, beginning. God at various times in different ways spoke in times past to the fathers through the prophets in these last days has spoken to us by a son whom he has appointed heir of all things. Through whom he made the worlds. That's the same concept. We, we saw that in, as a... Uh, as a creator, we're going to come that, to that in a later sermon and spend more time on that. Who being in the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become so much better than angels, as he has an inheritance. By inheritance, obtained a more excellent name than they have. He has a superior name. He gets this blessing. The Father pronounces on him a blessing for doing what he did. We talked about that, right? Philippians talks about that. Often when men were chosen by God, they were given a new name. We talk about Israel. God selects him. says, you're going to be prime. You're going to be number one in your family, Jacob. You are no longer called Jacob. Give you a new name. You will be called Israel. And God does that again and again. <clears throat> Jesus' name didn't technically change necessarily. But God attaches a significance to it. I don't know what his actual name... I don't know if... The, if if the Father calls Jesus, Jesus, when they're up. I, I don't know how that all works. But this is the, the concept. These are the, the ideas. And we talk about knowing about and knowing. Okay, so we know about. Jesus has an inheritance. Well, now let's go back to those ideas and look at what this practically means to me. How does this affect me? Okay, here's some information. Jesus is the firstborn. He has a Firstborn implies a sequence of things, or at least a relation of something to other things. Colossians chapter 1, as we go back there. In verse 12, he says, we give thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers in the inheritance of the saints of light. Jesus, unlike Jacob, wasn't trying to get it all for himself. That was Jacob's big deal. 
I got one, and I'm going to get the other two somehow, some way. He didn't just... You know that those boys were... They're twins. Do you know that they were 70-something years old when this happened? Right? What do you think of, like, the 20-year-old kids doing this nonsense? Right? 16-year-old kids. <laughs> yeah, 75-year-old men doing this nonsense. It tells me, Jacob, been thinking about this for some time. How am I going to get that other property? Dad's not kicking off yet. I've got to get it somehow. Jesus is a benevolent heir. Jesus says, I got all this stuff. What am I going to do with it? Sit around in it? He says, He has qualified us to be partakers in the inheritance. We're just strangers walking down the street as far as God's concerned. That's my practical... I mean, that's who I am. And Jesus says, hey, got some stuff. I got no rights to it. And he's got it all. He says, come on. I've got an unlimited supply of wealth. I don't know what to do with it all. Come on. We are partakers. Romans 8 says that we are fellow heirs of the grace of life. <clears throat> fellow heirs. Say what? How am I a fellow heir? Because Jesus qualified me. That's why. Yeah, I've got no pedigree. I have no pedigree on my own. I've got nothing. Jesus is like, I can do the paperwork. You don't match that one. That's eh, okay. Hey, you don't match that one. No, that's all right. <laughs> I got nothing. That's all right. I know somebody. Right? It's not who you know. It's who knows you. <laughs> Maybe you have never known him. I, I never know. Doesn't make a difference. Remember that story that there's another parable? Jesus said, hey, go out. We've invited all the friends. We've invited everybody. And they're not interested. Listen. Go out to the suburbs, to the people. Go out in the bushes. Go out in the hedges. Go out in the alleys. Go out. Invite them in. Don't care if they know me. No, no. Don't care. I'm looking for heirs. Fellow heirs of the grace of life. You might have never known him. No, I'm not a brother. You can be. You can be an heir of the grace of life. But that's not all. That is not all. That's not all this is talking to. Because we get back down to the end of this. Look what he says. Verse 20. It says, By him to reconcile all things to himself. Whether things on earth, in heaven, having made peace through the blood of the cross, and you who were once alienated, and enemies in your mind. By wicked works he has reconciled. 
in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and blameless and irreproachable in his sight. You might be here and be alienated. You can be, have come in the doors and be alienated. It wasn't just to, to, to bring new people in. Because says, hey, there's some people that kind of straight off somewhere. I'm a little, uh, the family's a little bit dysfunctional sometimes. And God hasn't moved anywhere. Tell you that old story of the, the guy who got an old car, an old couple. He got that bench seat. Right? And uh, the wife goes, you know, we don't sit together when we drive anymore. And the husband says, I ain't moved. <laughs> God hasn't moved. If we're alienated, it's because I moved. I'm gone somewhere. God says, I died to reconcile. I need heirs. Have I wondered? Christ came to get the family back together. There's a passage in Hebrews. We're going to stand and sing here as we conclude. I want to read this passage. And Chris, you can come up. And I just want to, if you could just stand. Chris is going to lead us in this. But I want to read a passage. And I would like you to do something as we read this passage. I'd like you to close your eyes for just a second. It's in Hebrews chapter 12. And it's just a couple of verses, 22 through 24. In Hebrews 12, uh, <clears throat> 22 through 24, he says, What do you come to? You have come to Mount Zion, the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, to an innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly and to the church of the firstborn who are registered in heaven, to God, the judge of all, to the spirits, men made perfect, to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and the blood that sprinkles, uh, speaks better than the sprinkling of the blood of Abel. You have come to the first church of the firstborn. I want you to imagine with me just a second as we, as we get ready to sing. And you come into a stadium. It's a stadium bigger than you've ever come into before. It like takes up a city. And you go through the, the, the turnstiles there and you recognize people. It's like, uh, uh, there's Tim and... Uh, there's Wade, and I, I, you're like, what? We, I, I'm coming through the turnstiles with everybody in the congregation, and, and you step out in, and you see all the stands. Hey, like, you look over, and you say, hey, this is a, a congregation where, where I, you know, I grew up with those people over there, and you wave over there. And you, you recognize some people on the other side, and it's just million. You can't even count the people. That's what he says. That's what you've come to. You have not come to this morning Waukesha Church of Christ. You've, you've walked into something much bigger. You've walked into the church of the firstborn. That's what we came to this morning. And a lot of times I think when we sing, we sing like we came to Waukesha Church of Christ, you know, congregation of about 100 people. But you've come to innumerable people. 
Then you look up behind you in the stands and there's, there's people you recognize that passed away. There's just rows of them. They get, they get the, the luxury boxes. Right? And then there's angels. That's what he says you came to. So when you sing, I want you to sing like you're in that stadium. Not like you're in a 50 by 30. You open up your eyes and like, dude, now I'm here. This is not where you're at this morning. This is not where you're at this morning. You are in what he describes in Hebrews. The church of the firstborn. Innumerable angels. Those saints made perfect. The general assembly, not just the general assembly here, the general assembly in 360 degrees of this sphere that we stand on. That's where we are. And they're all getting ready to sing. And they're all going to sing together. And that voice, as we look out, and right in the middle of that stadium is this throne. It's bright. You can't even hardly look at it. And then there's this hush. Then this murmur goes over as out of, out of one of the end zones there comes this bright light. You can't even hardly look at it. And sits down. It's the first born, the preeminent one. And that's who we're going to sing to. 